G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Remember, you can hear 2020 on the Vision Radio Network weekdays from 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Saving Time here on the Vision Radio Network. Well, today we continue a mini-series on the importance of wills and powers of attorney with legal expert Kylie Wilson, who's the head of succession and superannuation at Anderson Lawyers. Before we start, just a reminder, the information in this segment is general in nature and shouldn't be taken as personal professional advice. Contact the Law Society in your state for a reputable solicitor to help you deal with wills and powers of attorney. In today's segment, Matt Gies and Kylie are delving a bit deeper into what a power of attorney is and how it differs from an enduring power of attorney. Kylie, um, I had a friend who once said to me, well, look, Matt, yeah, we went and got our wills. And uh, when he heard that I was going to be talking to a solicitor and interviewing them about her wills and that, he said, oh, here's a question you can ask her. I prepared my will, my wife and I, and then we revisited it only to find out six months too late that the solicitor who we were dealing with had actually died and we didn't know what to do. So, you know, he was a one-person law firm. He's died. His law firm doesn't exist anymore. He doesn't exist anymore. And I'm thinking, wow, what do you do? And it's, uh, you look, it's not that uncommon, um, not even for, for death reasons, but for some obscure reason. People don't like, always like to stay as lawyers and they have career changes. <laughs> uh, and that happens to everybody in, in all different careers. But um, the reality is if, if you've got a number of options there. One is you contact your law society of your relevant state. Uh, because they will um, uh, have some knowledge of what, where those documents have gone. They normally go to uh, safe holding of another law firm, um, but the Law Society will have some records about that. Um, if you're struggling with that or you, you don't really want to follow that process, if you do a new will, it automatically revokes the old one. Uh, and as, we, as we've said before, you should always review your wills relatively regularly, so about every five years, four or five years. So... If it's happened that your law firm's shut down, it's probably been a while since you've done your will, in which case you should probably be looking at doing a new one anyway, and that will be more appropriate for your life circumstances at that time. Uh, so you can just do a do a new one and um, have it covered that way is the other option. One of the things you've stressed to us over the last couple of weeks of us uh, having a chat is that uh, a will is all about preparing. Mm. It's, it's not about uh, doom and gloom. It's just a matter of, I guess, making sure everything is in order and lines up. And one of the things you've mentioned a couple of times is a thing called an enduring power of attorney. Now, I've done a little bit of study in this area, and I've found out that there is a difference between power of attorney and enduring power of attorney. Mm. And I didn't even know what these words meant before I did that study. So can you help us understand what a power of attorney is? Yeah, well, it's it's something that uh, 
uh, I get very wound up about <laughs> because I find that um, 80% of clients that come in, especially new clients, while they might have a will in place, they don't have an enduring power of attorney. And it is every bit as crucial as a will and in some circumstances more crucial depending on what goes potentially wrong in your life. Now, the enduring power of attorney, the word enduring means continuing, basically. So a power of attorney is a document that you'd normally have for specific circumstances. So companies, for example, have general powers, powers of attorney for directors to do things and that, that sort of thing. Powers of attorney can deal with a specific set of financial circumstances, etc. Your enduring power of attorney is something that will continue um, unless it's revoked or certain other circumstances can change it, like if you get divorced and you've appointed your spouse, that sort of thing. As I say, it's, uh, it's, it's different in each state, so you need to look at your specific state laws as to, to what applies in those certain circumstances. But the reason they're so important is that if you don't have one and something goes wrong, and it, it might only be something minor. I mean, you may be in hospital because you've uh, had a recent surgery that puts you in hospital for a week or you've had some sort of minor accident that puts you in hospital for a while. You can't deal with your bank accounts very well while you're in hospital. I mean, we're, we're fortunate now we all have this horrible thing called smartphones where we're, <laughs> where we're, you know, we're constantly accessible to everyone and everything. But even then, there might be things that need signed uh, and that can be quite a complicated process uh, if you're in hospital. And while you're sitting there being looked after and taken care of, uh, you might have a financial situation that's actually gradually devolving while you're in hospital. And if you don't have a power of attorney, someone has to trot off to the relevant tribunal in your state to actually get orders to be able to look after your financial affairs. And that's a complicated process. Whereas a, an enduring power of attorney is, in fact, a relatively simple document. If it's done right, it's there. The person you've appointed can then go and deal with this for you while you can't do it yourself. But how does that kick in, Kylie? I mean, like the, the idea is sound. I, I think that's a very smart thing to have somebody who can be your proxy, if you like, someone who can stand in for you, whether it be uh, signing documents if you're out of the state or out of the country, exactly, um, yep. making sure the electricity bill gets paid. Mm. But when you look at the complicated issue of you not being able to do something for yourself, how do you know that that enduring power of attorney is actually going to happen? Well, it's it depends. As I say, it, it varies from state to state mm. slightly. Um, I'll, I'll talk from the perspective of, of Queensland because that's where I practice predominantly. Uh, but if you're, for your personal matters, for example, um, and that's things like what doctor you see, what basic medical treatment you're getting, that type of thing, it only comes into effect if you don't have capacity to make those decisions for yourself. And that's usually certified by a doctor. So a doctor will say you don't have capacity. And in personal circumstances, that's fairly clear because normally you're actually in hospital at the time and it's it's clear you don't have capacity. But it's also relevant for elderly people as well uh, because the reality is as a society, we're living longer, we're living a lot longer. So it's not uncommon for as we get older, things like dementia and Alzheimer's uh, happen to a large percentage of the population. Uh, it happened to my grandfather. Uh, and he didn't have an enduring power of attorney in place. Uh, he's a very stubborn man, and despite me badgering him for years, <laughs> he just would not do it. Uh, and uh, as a consequence, the family had to go to the tribunal and, and get orders. Um, and it wasn't fun, uh, and no one wants to, to have to do that. And had he had one in place, uh, we could have uh, looked after his affairs quite well. And my nana, as it turns out, who's who's still with us, uh, she, um, you know, she, she needed looking after as well, and 
we couldn't deal with his financial affairs without going to the tribunal because he didn't have an enduring power of attorney in place. So does that enduring power of attorney then stop if you are able to um, regain that capacity? Yeah, with your uh, with your personal and health matters, it, it's it's a little different between financial matters and personal health matters. So in Queensland, we have uh, an enduring power of attorney that covers both financial and personal and health matters. Uh, in New South Wales, it's a slightly different document. Um, so you have two different documents, one for financial matters and one for personal and health matters. Uh, so as I say, state to state it varies, but generally speaking, it, it covers the same type of thing. Uh, and in Queensland, your financial power, you can choose how that's going to operate. So uh, to give you an example, if you're going overseas, you can put the enduring power of attorney in place uh, and that financial power will only be operative while you're not in the country, for example. Mm. Or you can say when you don't have capacity. Uh, and uh, that's then operates with the personal health power when you don't have capacity, or you can say immediately. So... A uh, husband and wife situation, that's quite common uh, because you often have uh, one of those family members travelling interstate fairly regularly, might be with work, for example, uh, and you want the uh, your, your partner, your spouse, to be able to deal with anything that might go wrong with your financial affairs while you're not in the state at that time. If you can't immediately sign something uh, and they've got an enduring power of attorney, they can sign it on your behalf. Uh, and it just makes life a lot simpler. I guess it's also things like uh, the privacy laws. You know, privacy laws in Australia are a lot stronger than they have been uh, in many years past. Mm. So there are a lot of uh, even just general things like health funds who are saying, well, no, your spouse can't talk on your sure. behalf because yeah. the privacy laws state that I can't give them information. Yes. So and does an enduring power of attorney then override that saying, well, look, I'm their power of attorney. I need to know this information so that I can potentially act on their behalf. Correct, provided it's been done properly. Uh, and normally banks and uh, insurance companies and that sort of thing will want what's called a certified copy of an enduring power of attorney. So that's where a lawyer or justice of the peace has seen the original and certified that this copy is an exact replica of the original document. Uh, and they'll want that certified copy. And as long as the document's been done properly, uh, then the person who is acting as attorney uh, can act or in the place of what we call the principal, who's the person who did the enduring power of attorney. Uh, so it's very important that you think properly about who you want to have as an attorney because it's an important role um, and there are duties that uh, attorneys have to comply with. I mean, you have to be acting in the best interests um, of uh, the person you're acting for. And that can be a very, very fine line. Is there's the different legislation in each state, but most legislation say you can't enter into a, uh, a conflict transaction, and what that means is you can't enter into a transaction which deals with your interests as well as the other person's and can potentially be seen as a conflict of your interests versus theirs. Now, we have a view that that's a bit of a problem because with husband and wife, for example, well, you can almost always be saying that there's the potential mm. for a conflict <laughs> there. So um, we have a document that has a specific clause to allow conflict transactions to be entered into. So... Those are the sort of things you've really got to think through when you're doing this document. Um, but as I say, if it's done right, then that's what it's for. And they're very, very important. Once again, we've said a few times, it's important that you talk to a solicitor or talk to somebody who is an expert in this field and get advice that is suitable just for you. Because what we've talked about, it's, it's pretty generic, it's pretty general, yeah. and yeah. you need to make sure that you get the right advice for the right thing. Yeah, because as I've said before, people's family circumstances differ. Um, their asset situations differ, um, what structures they might have in place differ, 
and you need to get specific advice for your circumstances uh, to make sure that the document that's being done for you is the right document. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.